and welcome to Challenges That Change Us, the podcast where we talk to our guests about how their challenges have impacted them today and how they overcame them. Whether you are someone that feels like you are thriving right now, trudging through the mud or somewhere in between, this podcast is designed to give you practical advice, profound insight into your own experience and inspire you to embrace your life. My name is Ali Flynn, the co-founder and CEO of Tri-Altitude Performance, and I will be your host. It's time to buckle up your seatbelts and let's get this ball rolling. Hi, everyone. Welcome back for another week. I have been so excited by all your text messages coming in and letting me know the different topics you're interested in. Things like core beliefs, inner chat, sleep, divorce, and financial bankruptcy. I am going to get to work on finding some guests in this very space for you. On a side note, we are opening up the application process now for sponsorship on this podcast. It closes on July 30th. So if you would like to share what you do with our listeners, now is the time to reach out to me via email, af at tri, T-R-I, altitude, A-L-T-I-T-U-D-E, performance, P-E-R-F-O-R-M-A-N-C-E dot com dot A-U, af at tryaltitudeperformance.com.au. We will be offering gold and silver packages and the key is that we need to align that what you offer can help our listeners. The only thing you need to do is send me an email today and I will organize a quick chat to see if we are aligned. The email will be in the show notes, or you can also DM me in the Facebook group, Challenges That Change Us. You know, I love to give you guys a roadmap at the start of every podcast so that you can work out if this is the episode for you today. Ellen Howland and I weave in and out of her story, the impact it had on her, how she navigated the challenges, and in particular, she shares the strategies and tools that helped her every step of the journey from books that she has read to some of the strategies that she learned in the counseling room. Ellen experienced years of chronic pain post a car crash, and she now has a device installed in her neck to help manage that chronic pain. We begin the story with what those early years were like, what she tried, and that moment in time that she felt so disgusted, she knew things had to change. She shares the journey that she went through, and in particular, there is a great section in there about limiting beliefs. What are they? What do you do once you discover them? And what are some of her limiting beliefs? There is another section in there where we address perfectionism, how it shows up, and what steps Ellen has taken to soften her inner chat in this space. Ellen has gone on to run ultra marathons and is a contributing author in a book that gets released late in June, Unstoppable Volume 2, which is a collaboration of stories from unstoppable women designed to inspire and empower women to become unstoppable. Let me introduce you to the woman herself. Welcome, Ellen, to Challenges That Change Us. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you for having me, Al. I'm super excited to be on this with you today. So am I. And Ellen, as you know, we love to start the podcast with asking our guests what animal best describes you and what is it about that animal? Yeah, okay. That's a really good question. So I would have to say the animal that best describes me would be an eagle. And the reason is I listen to a lot of Jim Rowan and Jim Rowan says eagles have vision, they're fearless, they're tenacious, they're high flyers, which means they have a standard, they nurture and eagles also have vitality. And I think I have all of those qualities or I've developed all of those qualities in my life. So I've become an eagle. Oh, that is so good that you've actually gone and done some research as well to think about you know, because we often don't think about the qualities we have or the traits that we have or how other people see us. And that question can really just bring that out, can't it? Yeah, it can. And I think it can change over time. So yeah, but I've become an eagle. Yep. And I was about to say, and we'll be going into some of that for sure today. Ellen, you and I met, we met years ago, didn't we? In when you were working in HR. We did. We did. Yeah. It feels like a lifetime ago. (laughs) Is that where you started your career? My career started in case management, working in employment services, and I guess that's where I discovered that my passion really was people and helping people to live their best lives, I guess, or to to be their best selves. So I did a number of years in case management and different kind of roles within the employment services sector, and then started training in that area, which then 
took me into training and HR roles and that's when I ended up going on and doing qualifications in HR and learning and development so and then that took me into the HR role that I met you it kind of evolved over time through almost seems like accident but obviously yeah that things happen for a reason and I just progressed into that that particular HR management role and that is not where you're working now what no what has changed for you like what's led you to where you are now Yeah, that's a really good question because if you'd asked me, you know, five years ago if I'd be where I am now or even 10 years ago, I would have absolutely said no. But there's a lot of things that happened for me. But I guess the number one thing that really changed the trajectory of my life was a motor vehicle accident that I had in 2010, which ended up taking me on a journey of five years of chronic neuropathic pain. Some of the audience may not know what you mean when you say that. Are you able to explain what that was and how that kind of felt in your body and what your experience was there? Basically, chronic pain is, you know, debilitating pain that lasts for a long period of time that's unrelenting and neuropathic pain is my nerves. So what that means for me is that I've got permanent nerve damage in my neck and right shoulder. It's a permanent impairment that I have, but for five years, that pain impacted my life to the extent where I had reduced mobility. There were a lot of things that I couldn't do. On my worst days, I couldn't brush my hair or clean my teeth with my right hand. So I'm right-handed, so I couldn't use that. When my children were little, I couldn't pick them up couldn't carry a bottle of milk, couldn't open a door. There are a lot of things that I couldn't do because of the pain that was in my neck and shoulder, which basically left my right hand kind of useless for a number of years. And at the time, was the prognosis that it was going to stay the same or get worse or get better? Yeah. So we went through a huge amount of different treatments. So platelet-rich plasma therapy. I had a right shoulder surgery to work out some of the issues, nerve blocks and different things and ended up seeing as a pain specialist. And in the end, the only thing that was going to work was to have a permanent pain management device implanted. So I actually got just over eight years ago now, eight years last month, I got a permanent pain management device, a spinal cord stimulator implanted in my thoracic spine. I've got a battery in my hip that runs it and I carry a remote control everywhere I go to control how that manages the pain. So what that does is it basically works like a TENS machine and it, as the nerve sends, because it just continues to send pain signals to the brain, as those pain signals travel up the spine, it basically stops the signal from getting through to your brain. So the pain signal happens, but your brain just doesn't register. How cool is science? I, I'm just like, <laughs> people can't see me, but my jaw has just dropped. I'm like, what? I've never heard of this. Yeah. I used to think science was just dorky, but now I think science is really cool. So yeah, so that basically lets me function and live a pretty normal life, mostly pain-free, but there's still a certain level of pain and stiffness that I experience on a day-to-day basis. You just said that quite quickly and I'm sitting here just thinking your whole world changed overnight by the sounds of it. Yeah, it did. Just in that one moment, a cow walked out in front of me on the highway and Yeah, that one moment completely changed everything in my life. Were you in a coma? Did you have memory loss? Like what did it look like in those first sort of 48 hours and weeks following that crash? Do you know what? I think I was in shock and I just continued on as normal. I was working in insurance at the time, so it was end of financial year. So I went to work the next day, even stiff and sore because I just, I had goals that I needed to meet. And it wasn't until a few days later that I noticed that I was was in pain. And it wasn't until I was getting treatment and having physio that we noticed that there was something significantly wrong with my shoulder because the pain in my neck was masking the pain in my shoulder. So I guess it's really important to really get checked out when you have a collision like that or a fall or anything because you, you might think that you're okay, but your body takes a while to show the signs of what's actually really happening. And then did the pain develop over time or once you noticed it and once you started to work out what was going on, it was just there? Yeah, it kind of developed over time and got worse and then my mobility just kept on declining. So I could barely use my right hand. I couldn't lift it even to shoulder height in front of me. Like I could probably lift it to hip height, like my hand from standing there, I could probably lift it up to hip height for a while. Couldn't move it out sideways. There were a lot of things in hindsight now that I couldn't do for a long time. 
I was with the physio for five years. I actually became quite good friends with the physio because I spent so much time with her and, yeah, really really had to rebuild myself from scratch after that. Yeah, as you say, I'm thinking about the grief. I'm thinking about the life you had and then overnight then the life having to change it so quickly without you having any control over that. Yeah. The other thing too, when you're experiencing chronic pain, pain's really debilitating and all-consuming. So one of the things that happened with me is that I actually ended up being diagnosed with depression as a result of the chronic pain. And then for a little bit, I became depressed about being depressed and got caught up in that cycle. And I remember my doctor sitting down and telling me when he was putting me on antidepressants, he, he said, Ellen, this is just a, for a little while. You just need a little bit of help now because of what you're going through. He said, and I promise you, once you get that surgery and get that device implanted, we will get you off that medication. I just really had to trust him and trust that process and trust that it was actually going to happen. And it did. It did. Once I got the device implanted and got everything sorted, I went off all of my pain medication and went off the antidepressants as well. And I've been able to live a really quite a full life since then. You've talked about the mobility and the challenges, but what was the hardest part for you? Probably being a mum not being the mum that I wanted to be and not being the mum that my children needed me to be um, was probably one of the hardest things because I couldn't pick them up. There were days where I, I really couldn't do anything. There were days where I was consumed with pain. I really lost myself for a long time during that journey. So I wasn't living up to be the person that I wanted to be and definitely wasn't being the mum that I wanted to be. That was probably the hardest part for me was, yeah how I was showing up as a mum every day. Mm, and I just got a bit teary because that's what I always cry about with the rehab stuff is I'm always like, I think that's not spoken about enough, you know, because that there my tears are when I think about not being the person, the mum, the wife that I want to be, you know, because of some other reason. Yeah. Yeah. It can be really hard and we, we spend a lot of time shooting on ourselves and thinking about all the things we should be doing and what we should be and not focusing on what we actually can be. Mm. So it's almost balancing balancing the story and the inner critic in our head with allowing ourselves to grieve. Yeah, absolutely. What sort of things did you try? Like how did, how did you cope? Yeah, there were a lot of things. I didn't cope for a long time, but then I was actually referred to psychologists for cognitive behavioral therapy. So I begrudgingly went along <laughs> to my CBT appointments and I remember going in on my first day and just going like, this is ridiculous. I can't believe that I have to be here. Why do I need to learn how to manage my life with pain? They should just be focusing on fixing the cause of the pain. So really had quite a negative mindset with doing the CBT by the time I got there. But what I found was it actually really helped me to focus because all of my medical appointments and everything that I was going to was focusing on what I couldn't do. So what were my limitations with my lifting, my movement, my how I could use my arm, how I could move my head, how much sleep I wasn't getting, all of the things that I couldn't do, like my self-care things at home that I wasn't able to do by myself. But when I went to CBT, what that focused on was all of the things that I could control. So really got me looking at that circle of control and what I had control over and actually starting to focus on, I guess, on the positives, on what I had control over and what I could make a difference in so that I wasn't just always thinking about having those limitations in my mind of what I couldn't do or what I wasn't achieving or what I what sleep I wasn't getting. So it really just helped me start that mindset shift to start working on the positive things in my life rather than focusing on the negative things and that really helped me get through. It can sound really simple but it can take some time, can't it? Yeah, it's a lot of work. So it, it was a series of appointments and I it took a while and it wasn't even until years later that I looked back on that journey and really noticed the positive impact that that CBT had on me. So I, I do recommend like anybody that ever says to me, oh, I think I should go see somebody. Absolutely. If that's something that you're thinking about, definitely do that because professionals are trained to help us deal with things in life that we're not trained to deal with and to support us through some of the most 
problematic times of our lives so that we can come through and thrive at the other end. And also sometimes it's also carving out that time for yourself to allocate your resources, time and energy into something that you want to be working on. So having someone sitting opposite you and carving out that time in your week and then someone holding a mirror up or holding you accountable to that, that also can have a huge profound impact even without the strategies that we use in a counselling or therapy session. Yeah, absolutely. I learn a lot about myself and about my relationships with people and I had some perfectionist tendencies then too, so I learn a lot about that. So uh, I've really been able to start to invest more time in myself on working on those things so that I could become a better version of myself and get to where I am now. Mm, and just going back to that perfectionism, what, what sort of things did you learn? Because there's a lot of people listening that will relate with that. One example is I was given some handouts on perfectionism and told to go home and work through them. So I went home and the first thing I did was got a display folder and started perfectly putting each page into a display folder and then realized this is actually one of the things that is one of my perfectionist tendencies. So I actually scrumpled it all up and threw it across the room and went, this is what's wrong. <laughs> but it was, you know, not being able to sit and relax unless the house was spotless or making sure that, you know, the children looked a certain, you know, looked perfectly or that the, the dinner that I was serving was a perfectly nutritious meal. And yeah, so here I was trying to manage this injury struggling to keep everything going but trying to keep the lawn perfect and keep the, the dinners perfect and keep the house perfect and make sure the ironing was done and, you know, just letting some of those things go and not actually having to have everything in order all of the time and giving myself a little bit of slack. Because it's exhausting. It is. It is. And you never get anything done and you'll never get there if you're always, if everything has to be perfect all the time. Mm, because that line never gets met. No, because it doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you work through that? I had to start teaching myself to let things go. So it might be that I sit and watch a movie with the kids while there's a basket of washing sitting there waiting to be folded. Or it might be that instead of cooking the perfect meal for the kids that we actually do a cheese platter and just sit and relax and have cheese and bickies that night with a movie for dinner. How hard was that for you when you started? Really hard. Yeah, I'm I'm sitting here just like on the edge of my seat going, I can't even imagine how that would have felt. Like, can you describe how that felt for you when you first started practicing that? It's a complete visceral reaction inside your body. It's like somebody's tying you up in knots and everything in you is like, I really need to, but but you just have to breathe and relax and let it go because you know what that washing basket will still be there tomorrow and you, you can fold it tomorrow but there'll probably be more washing in it so yeah you've just got to work out what really matters and do the things that really matter that the must do's those are the things that you have to do today and that anything else you can just let slide. Mm. And sometimes, you know, I'm thinking as you're talking around the teaspoon theory, I don't know if you've heard that, but if you have 16 teaspoons a day, if that's your energy and your ability to think and your ability to spend time with people and everything in your day comes down to measuring into 16 teaspoons, how are you going to spend them? And that's where you're saying around that prioritizing piece. It's like, what do we want to be spending those 16 teaspoons on? Is it spending time with the kids or is it doing the washing? Because you've only got 16 of them and once they're gone, they're gone. That's right. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, yeah, and when you when you think about it that way, the same analogy, Jim Rowan says, with your children, you've got, you know, 18 summers with your children at home. I said that to my husband last night. I was like, you know, we've only got five Christmases left before our oldest is gone at best. And he was like, what? <laughs> yeah. When you think of it that way, time is really precious and we spend too much of it worrying about the things that don't actually really matter. Mm. Isn't it a shame? that we have to wait until the age that we are to work some of this stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. And so so what kind of happened next on your journey? So I had my surgery for my spinal cord stimulator. That all went well and I came home. So by this stage, by the way, I'd actually had a marriage breakdown in amongst all of that and so I was raising three children on my own by this stage. And working and having chronic pain. Yeah, yeah. And being a perfectionist. Yeah. <laughs> not, not making it hard for yourself at all. <laughs> no. I love a good challenge. So <laughs> my eldest daughter, who was 15 at the time, 
what I was doing was they, they said to me, when you have this surgery, it's, it's probably going to take you six to eight weeks. You're going to feel really tired for six to eight weeks. Well, I was literally a walking zombie. Like I had nothing. I was an empty shell and I was literally setting the alarm up in the morning and getting the kids off to school and then I would set the alarm for when they were due to come home on the bus and I was just dozing on the couch all day long. And my 15-year-old, then she came home early. She must have got out of school early and she walked in the door and found me napping on the couch and she actually stood over me and said, this is ridiculous. Look at yourself, she said. You know, you need to do something. Get off that couch and do something. And I think to achieve what we want to achieve in life, we've got a point that turns us and it's either inspiration that in something that inspires us to do that or a point of disgust. And so for me, I'd reached that point of disgust. So my children were disgusted with me, which meant I was disgusted with me. So I didn't know what to do. So I just put a really sad post on Facebook and a friend reached out to me and said, let me help you. So that's when I started my health and wellness journey. And so she actually coached me and helped me get healthy. So through nutrition and mindset, exercise, all of those things, I actually started to walk. Like when I first started, I couldn't walk to the mailbox, but then I started to go for short walks around the block. And then I started doing park run. And so I was walking park run. And after a while, I started feeling like I could maybe jog a little bit. So I started, once the doctor said that I could, I started to do a little bit of jogging. Never had any intention of doing anything anything major. But so I used a nutrition program and got, got healthy and went on to lose over 19 kilos. And then last year I ran three ultra marathons. So yeah, I just invested my time into into running. I found a love for running. I've met my new husband through running, which has been really cool. That's been a journey that we've been on together, becoming ultra marathon runners together. So I've really now just invested a lot of my time in in becoming the best version of myself and really being the best mum I can be. So I've gone from being the mum that couldn't keep up with her children to the mum that the children can't keep up with her and they just look at me going, you're crazy. And I'm dragging them along to the next event. We're actually taking all of the kids to New York in November because we're running New York Marathon. So excited. Yay! So we're making a big family holiday out of that. So I've just worked on just being an inspiration now to them and to show them what's possible in life. You make it sound so easy. <laughs> it definitely isn't. It's You're not. like, and I did this and I did this. Yeah. And, you know, like, let's just rewind a little bit right back to you calling your friend that was the coach because I actually had one one of our listeners reach out to me the other day and say, Alice, can you do a podcast on how you find a coach or how you find a life coach? And I was like, great question. How did you know that was the step for you? Did she just mention it? Did you go looking? So she said you know, I think I can help you. And I I was very skeptical because I was still in that really negative space, right? I was very skeptical, but I was completely desperate as well. So I had to do something and I thought, well, you're desperate enough to, you know, get this massive surgery, this become a bionic person and get this massive surgery that's going to be forever in a part of your body. So are you desperate enough to, you know, try some nutrition products and to to do what this person tells you to do? They're healthier than you. They're doing things that you can't do. So I just I just did what she said and I tried it and I just I started feeling really good and I just kept listening to her and just just following that. So since then, I've actually gone on, I went to a training session with this lady and the guest speaker at that training said, if you've had amazing results and don't share that with other people, then that's really selfish of you. So I actually started doing health coaching myself as a part-time gig around my full-time HR career. Again, not very busy. No. Yeah. I I like to just- (laughs) Not a high achiever, everyone. We don't have a high achiever on the other end of the line. (laughs) I think it helps me stop being a perfectionist. If I just feel every crack of my day with something, then I don't have time for all those details. Um, And that's, I guess, how I ended up leaving my HR career and moving into this line of work that I'm doing now working for myself because I just found more joy out of the work that I was doing there helping people really really having a genuine impact on people's lives and I listened to a book by Gay Hendricks The Big Leap and he talks about our genius zone and our upper limit problems and I just I just decided that I needed to stop playing small and actually really quit my career and go 
jump in both feet and, and really, really give it a go. It was really scary. I was just going to say, was that scary? <laughs> yeah. Talk us through that little part, that little little section of your life there where you were yeah. taking that big leap and that fear and and what that was like for you. I was doing a lot of driving because I was in that job where I met you and I was doing a lot of Ks in the car and you're in and out of reception all the time. So I used to listen to a lot of audio books in the car. I still do because Jim Rowan says, turn your car into a mobile university. So I listened to Jim Rowan and he said, it's not about what you're getting, it's about who you're becoming. And what I was finding was some of the things that I was dealing with in HR were really yuck. And so I was becoming a person that sometimes when the phone rang, I was going, and not wanting to answer because I knew it was going to be a problem that I had to deal with. And I just thought, who am I becoming in this work? Because this isn't the person that I want to be. And then I was listening to the Gay Hendricks and the, you know, the upper limit problem and working in your genius zone. And, and it just got me thinking. And I remember coming home and saying to my husband, I've got to do this. If I keep working and have that safety net of my salary, I'm only ever going to play it small in this business. I said, and so I'm always going to have that cap, never actually going to achieve what I want to achieve. They're always just going to be dreams. I said, so I need to do this. So we spent a bit of time just putting away my salary so that we could see that we could live off his without mine. And then I, I took the leap. What did the leap look like? Did you just resign? I can't tell you how many people I find in my world at the moment that say, I want to be doing X, but I'm currently doing Y and I don't know how to step out of this and get into that or, you know. Yeah. So I had a conversation with my boss. I resigned. I had a plan in my head of what I was going to do. So I opened up a nutrition studio or a lifestyle center here in Canada. I've recently just closed that. That's another chapter that we're we're pivoting. So I went into doing just nutritious smoothies, so bringing good nutrition to people's people's day, like healthy fast food, I guess. And that was my way of easing my way into self-employment so that I had to be somewhere every day and I had to show up every day so I didn't get caught in. I know a lot of people become self-employed and just they're at home on their computer and not really achieving a lot. So that was my way of really pushing myself because I'm naturally an introvert too. So getting out and actually having conversations with people can be really hard for me. So that was my way of really just pushing myself out of my comfort zone and making me get out and talk to people, get out and have conversations every day and get out and do something. So yeah, it was very scary. And every single limiting belief that you have in your world will come down on you and the universe will do all kinds of things to try to, it's not to try and stop you. It's actually just to test you to see how much you really want to achieve it. And you've just got to overcome all of those things and grow through that. And just to pause there on the limiting beliefs, because some people may have heard that language before, but there are a lot of people that don't actually know what that means. Are you able to give us an example of what some of your limiting beliefs were? Yeah, look, so many, so many. I came from a lower socioeconomic background. So up until recently, I always had issues around my money mindset. So always put like a cap on what I could achieve financially because I, because I had that limiting belief because we were, we weren't well off when I was a kid. We were kind, we were poor, I guess. So um, there's that limiting belief with that. There's the whole, you know, if you go to do something and the voice in your head says, you know, who do you think you are or you're not that person or you can't do that, those are your limiting beliefs because our brain's designed to keep us safe, right? And often it's conditioning from our childhood or from, from somewhere in our lives. You know, my ex-husband once told me you're not good enough nothing that you do is good enough, nothing that you ever do will ever be good enough. And so that was something that I carried with me for a lot of years, thinking that I wasn't good enough. And that was a huge limiting belief for me to think to think that I wasn't good enough to achieve the things that I wanted to achieve. And you've you really got to work through that and untangle that. And th- those are untruths that other people have put on you mm. for whatever reason. They're not yours and you don't have to carry them mm. for the rest of your life. Mm. And then how did you start to stop carrying those? Like, I mean, I guess they would have been there and you wouldn't have even been aware of them. Yeah. They're just things that are there. What I find is for me, the way it shows up and I think it's probably true for a lot of people. Say you're having a really good day and everything's going 
really well, you're achieving goals and everything's great and then you come home and out of nowhere, you're having a fight with your spouse or an argument with your teenage daughter or, you know, something terrible is happening in, in your life for no apparent reason. What I found with me was I was making that happen because of my limiting beliefs, because I was achieving success in the day. So then I was making something happen subconsciously. Mm, and sabotaging. Yeah, and sabotaging myself. So when that happens and it, if you notice that happening, stop and actually think where is this coming from, mm. what's happening here, and it's usually out of fear. And that fear is usually a fear of failure or a fear of success and I think the two go hand in hand. Mm. And when you start to then unpackage that and unravel that and go, you know what, I'm, I'm worthy of success and I've been put on this earth to be successful and I've been given this dream and this vision because it's something that I absolutely can achieve, then you can put, you can push through that and work through that. And I've, I think I've got there through a lot of personal development hours. Like I, I spend a lot of time every day in that personal development space, listening to audios, listening to self-help books, listening to, you know, motivational speakers. So I've spent a lot of time working on my mindset. Mm. To, to unravel that but that book The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks that unravels a lot of that limiting beliefs mm. and that upper limit problem so it's a really good book to start with if anyone thinks that they might have a limiting belief that's been sabotaging them. And what I heard there just to kind of pull that together was really for you it was like noticing the events that are happening like noticing those reactions and then asking some really curious questions around what's happening here for me like where has this come from and trying to get a sense of what's happening in between your ears and your head around what's the actual story or what are you telling yourself and then from there you were talking about like then get the evidence and the facts you know like yeah. well is this true is this true on a daily basis and then the last thing that I heard you say was that you also then start to replace that with well what how do I really want to be talking to myself and you know, one of the good ways to do that is to ask, what would you say to your child if they were saying that to exactly. themselves? And then start yeah. trying to make that your dialogue and putting that on repeat when you catch yourself in that space. Yeah. Yeah. That was what I was going to say. What would you say to your five-year-old child? Like if they were having a tantrum and going, I can't do this, what would that conversation look like? And Ellen, as I'm listening, I'm, I'm thinking about your sense of self through this whole journey. Like, you know, I can hear after the car crash and with the chronic pain, there was kind of like almost a loss of you knowing who you were. And then we can hear this kind of, I'm picturing like a butterfly coming out of a cocoon, like, you know, now you're flourishing, you're feeling really confident with purpose, you know what you're doing. We've talked about the limiting release, but I'm wondering what also helped you in the space of like, who am I? Like, who am I as Ellen? Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think because for a long time I lost myself and for any of the mums out there, we all lose ourselves. Like we become someone's wife, someone's mum, you know, someone's employee and we kind of just lose who we are as a person. And for me it was that on steroids. So I just kind of morphed into this being that just was existing on earth. And what I saw once I had the surgery and started to get well, I saw that as my last red hot chance at having a good shot at life. Like I, I knew I'd lost a lot of time and I knew I'd lost a lot of experiences. I really wanted to make up for that. And I guess that's what I focus on every day. But for me, it was, I'm a values-based person. So my values are really important to me and my values for me, uh, faith, family, adventure, and health and fitness. And so that's what I work on creating my life around is around those values. But a lot of what came into it for me was the power of association. You know, obviously I had that health coach that I was working with. I then started my own business doing the health coaching. So I had a mentor working with me. So I, I always made sure that I started to align myself with people who were achieving the things that I wanted to achieve so that I could take advice from them and because success leaves clues. So mimic what those people are doing and really just starting to focus on the positive aspects of my life and not being the negative person that I had been. So even now, Al's, I look at some of my Facebook memories. You know how you can look at your memories? I look at them and sometimes I see some really negative posts that I posted, you know, 10 years or more ago and I go, who was that person? Like I don't, I don't even remember 
being that person and doing that post, it seems like such a disassociation for me because it's so far from where I am now. And And it's not about ignoring the bad stuff that's happening. It's just about showing gratitude and being thankful for the good stuff that's happening now and attracting more of that into your life. So I really think like you're the value of the five people that you spend the most time with. So really looking at the people that that are filling your cup and not draining your cup. So that, and 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 being a person that fills other people's cups as well. So that book, How Full Is Your Bucket? I don't know if you've ever read that. It's based on the scenario that each of us is walking around with a bucket, and each time we do something bad or say something bad about a person, we take from their bucket, but we also take from ours. So if we're doing that all the time, we're we're emptying our bucket and we're emptying everybody else's. But then in the reverse of that, each time we do something good or say something nice or helpful to somebody, we fill their bucket and then we fill ours as well. And so really just focusing on filling everybody's buckets. That's that's what I focus on doing every day now. That's such a beautiful analogy. And um, the first thought is like, oh, I'm going to tell my kids that because that you can really get that image, can't you, that the metaphor. It's like you can see the bucket empathy and the bucket filling back up. Yeah. Not only did you start to surround yourself with people, with information, with inspiration, you when we spoke about that teaspoon analogy, you started to consider what you want to spend your teaspoons on and you made sure that they were being used on that. So you're being really resourceful with your time and your energy and your effort. The part that you missed that I think we need to honour is that you did a lot of grunt work. Yeah. Like you did the work, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It wasn't airy-fairy stuff. Like you got in, you got your hands dirty, you 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 actually took step after step after step you spoke about it going in the mailbox yeah it's like I could only work walk to the mailbox so you know once you could walk to the mailbox then you did the next one but that meant getting up and out of bed that meant putting on your joggers that meant going out the door even when you didn't want to that meant you know like there's all these bits that would have been involved in that grunt work and that heavy lifting at the start to get you to where you want to be yeah and so through those steps you also really focused on well where like how do I propel myself into the space that I want to be in yeah I don't know if that's a summary, but that's yeah. kind of what I heard. <laughs> no, yeah, it, it is. There's there's a lot of grunt work and it is, yeah, don't look at the whole staircase, just look at each individual step and each day yes. take one step, take one step, take one step and because that staircase is overwhelming. It's huge. But if you just yes. take one step each day and just work on each day, my focus is being better than the person I was yesterday. I don't look at anybody else. I don't compare myself to anybody else. I, I compare my reflection in the mirror today to the, who I was yesterday when I looked in that mirror and I just want to be better today than I was yesterday and that's that's my goal. And you also have your coaches and your cheerleaders on the sideline of that staircase and then your bands for inspiration along the way when you're getting a bit fatigued. Like that's also what I can hear. You've got your people cheering you on beside you or inspiring you or educating you. Absolutely. And so have the people that fan your flames around you at all times and don't keep your goals a secret or the things that you're working on a secret because then your cheer squad don't know that they need to be cheering. So so you need to announce it and you need, you need to go public with, with what you're working on, you know, so that people can actually support you on that journey because there's huge strength in being vulnerable and actually allowing people into that space to help and support you. Mm. And talking about vulnerability, were you nervous coming on here today? Yes. You know, you've just given so many gold nuggets today. I know it was through your story, but there's been so many little things, books, people you've listened to, examples of your story and how that could help the people that are listening. But let's talk about you and and today in that vulnerability piece for right now. What were you worried about and and what got you over that line? Look, it's, you know, it's it's still like as much work as you do, there's still going to be limiting beliefs and there's that whole are people going to like me? Like that that's that's a natural thing. But we're, we're just here to share a story and it might not be, you know, our job is to share our story to help inspire other people and that it might not resonate with everybody. But for me now, I just think if that if that helps one person on their journey, then then I've done my job because I'm I'm having that impact that I'm put on this earth to do to you know just help one more person and every day that's my goal to just go and help one more person help one more person so you know if that person's listening and they hear it then then that's that's fantastic because what if you don't share your story then somebody that needs to hear it doesn't get to hear it 
and that that's selfish. Mm. And this, you know, it's the motto of this podcast, right? Like when I started it, I was like, and every time I get nervous, just for the listeners, I still get so nervous coming on and doing these interviews. But whenever I get super nervous or have that imposter syndrome, I take it from the large into the one like you just spoke about. I think, would I do this again if I knew it helped one person? So I just bring it down to the small and then every, my answer is always yes. Mance is always like, if someone's going to text me after this podcast and say this was helpful, my answer is yes, I'm all in. I am bringing my A game. And so I just come back to that. So if anyone's experiencing imposter syndrome, you know, just like Ellen said and like I do, bring it back to, well, what if this had that really tiny impact? Would I still do it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it's and it's your story. No one can argue with your story. Like that's yours. You, you've lived that. You've experienced that. So that's yours. And you've just got to be brave enough to share it with the world. Nervous and excited are the same feeling. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And we, like, I know that you had some other really good goodies in your bag um, around strategies, you, particularly around self-care, like some steps that people can take. So let's just spend a few minutes talking around that because this is your jam, right? This is your area. Yes, we're talking about your personal story, but, you know, you also do help other people in this space. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think it's something that we need to give ourselves permission to, to practice self-care every day. So if you're listening, this is me giving you permission to practice self-care, particularly the mums out there. It's your right. And everybody's better off in your family if you practice your own self-care. It's that whole analogy of, you know, if you're on an airplane and there's a, you come into turbulence, fix your own mask before you help somebody else. So my steps for self-care are to eat well and nourish your body. So really make sure that what you're putting in is really blessing your body and nourishing your body and looking after it because a lot of our, our whole thought process and everything is governed by what's happening in, in our gut. So if we're not putting good things in there and we're not fueling our bodies well, then it, we get stinking thinking happening as well. So really important to start with actually eating really well. And moving your body. So, you know, motion creates emotion. So getting our bodies moving every single day, even if it's just for 10 minutes, that just gets those feel-good emotions flowing and actually, you know, can get us out of a real funk every day if we just do something, walk around the block, do something. And then we feed our bodies, right? So we're nourishing our bodies. We also need to nourish our brain. So really focus on feeding your brain, working on your mindset every single day. And that can be as simple as, you know, listening to podcasts like yours, Al's, or going onto YouTube. You can go onto YouTube and just type in motivation and there is a plethora of stuff that comes up on, on motivation and you can listen to, you know, 10 minutes or an hour. You can have it on the TV, turn the news off and put that on instead. That'd be really cool. I remember when I first started, I used to listen to it in secret, like put the AirPods in so that the kids didn't think I was a weirdo. But now... <laughs> But now they just know that, oh, yeah, that's just mum and my 16-year-old can recognize some of the speakers like, oh, she'll go, that's Les Brown or, you know, so she, she knows who they are. And I guess the last one is to allow yourself to be vulnerable to ask for help. So there is huge strength, as I said before, in being vulnerable and, and asking for help. And whether that's getting a coach, talking to a friend or getting professional help from a counselor or a psychologist, if that's what you need, really just focusing on, on what you need and being brave enough to actually get the help that you need because we all have times in our lives where we do need that help and it's really important that we talk to somebody and and get that help that we need. And I'm going to circle back just with that because I'm going to ask you how people find you but not how our audience find you because that's definitely going to be in the show notes and we'll, we'll talk to that in a moment. But if someone's not an audience, they're just from scratch, how do they find you? Like how do your clients find you? What's the most common way that they do? Well, the most common way for me is word of mouth. So people that know somebody that, you know, so they get in touch with me through that. But I do get a lot on social media as well. So I've got a page Ellen Renee on Facebook and Instagram is I am Ellen Renee. That's where you find me or, yeah, in Gunnedah somewhere. <laughs> I'm usually out running the trails or somewhere here. So, yeah, if you see me out, say hi. And what do you recommend people consider when they're choosing a coach? That's a really good question, Alice. I think it comes down to, you know, what, what they're specifically looking for on their on their own journey and finding a coach that really they really resonate with. I think it's someone you know, like and trust, right? So you need to be able to work with that person and take advice from that person and give that person permission to hold you accountable 
because that's what a coach needs to do. But really look at what you're wanting to achieve and can that person cover off those things. I think a good coach would ask you those goals and would say, you know, maybe I'm not the best person for that if they're not. And I think another important thing to note is you really need to go with the person that resonates with you, not just price, because I think our health and our wellness and and the achievement of our goals is, is worth an investment. So, don't just look at the price component of that. Really look at the whole picture and can that person cover off what you're wanting to achieve and are you comfortable sharing your journey and working with that person because I think you need to be able to trust that person and work closely with them. I can absolutely vouch for that. I have given away services. I have charged minimal amounts right up to being a really premium price, particularly now for someone to work with me. There is a huge investment and what my experience has been is even when I've given it away from the goodness of my heart is people for whatever reason, don't give themselves permission to show up and the accountability is just automatically out the door. So if you're listening and you're thinking about that, I can honestly tell you that if you commit and you you say to yourself that you're worth that investment, you are going to get so much more out of it. Yeah, and I think you're worth it. <laughs> yes, you are worth it, whoever's listening, definitely. And Ellen, before we finish, the one of the most important things is your book. Yes. Tell us about this. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I am excited as well, Al. So for my whole life, like from when I was a little, little girl, I've always thought about writing a book, but it was one of those things that I pushed to the side because it was, you know, you're not an author. You're not, you're not that person. Those limiting beliefs took over, but I've actually had a really cool opportunity to be a contributing author to a book titled Unstoppable Volume 2, which will be released at the end of June. And what that book is about, it's a collaboration of women. So, 25 women who should have been stopped, but were unstoppable. And we each share our story to inspire and empower other women. Men can read it as well. You don't have to be a woman, but it's designed to inspire and empower other women to become unstoppable themselves. Mm. And so, where do people get it? You'll be able to get it online. So, follow my Ellen Renee page on socials. I'll be sharing all about it as, as it comes live, but we'll be, you'll be able to get it online and then I'll be doing a book launch for the for the full version of it. So, you can get a hard copy. I'll be doing a book launch with signed copies once it's, once it's available. So, I'm really excited to be sharing that. Send it through to us and we'll pop it in our Facebook group challenges that change us because our little community there would love to see that and we can just have a link in there where people that are interested can buy that book because what a book to read. I mean, I'm going to get it for my girls for sure. Yeah, excellent. No, thank you so much. Yeah. You've just launched your 12-week program, haven't you? I have the inaugural Be Well With Els wellness program just in time for winter. So it's designed, it's a holistic health and wellness program really designed to help people thrive and get out of that diet mindset and really focus on on the holistic wellness and what that means and develop some healthy habits that they can actually just take through life so that they can then stay healthy and get off that yo-yo I'm on a diet I'm not on a diet get out of that mentality and really just start focusing on their overall health and wellness and that yo-yoing happens in fitness in diet in our well-being in our mindset like you know I think we it's often coined in the nutritional industry but I see it across everything you know, how we sabotage, all sorts of things. So, you know, I'm super pumped for that and we'll also make sure all that information's in the show notes. Thank you. The question that I love to finish with is who or what in your world truly makes you belly laugh? I do love a good comedy and I do love a good belly laugh because it makes us all feel good, right? But I guess recently we've been on our own journey here at home where our youngest has recently been diagnosed as neurodivergent and I'm really working with her on helping her love the person that she is and love the fact that she's quirky and she's different and and that that's okay and we're having a lot of fun so she makes me laugh she really she really makes me laugh and she does some really funny things and we're we're switching from a you know stop doing that type of mentality to really just recognizing it and laughing that that that's one of her quirks and and embracing her her differences and, and embracing I'm learning a lot in the process but we you know yesterday we were in the kitchen just cracking up at some of the things that she was doing because I looked at her and went yeah what what is that and she's like I don't even know and we were just having we were just, <laughs> I don't know but I'm doing it anyway 
Yeah, and we were just having a bit of a laugh about that. So she really makes me laugh because, you know, her, her humour is really quite out there and can be quite dry at times, but she she really is helping me embrace my inner child and we're having a lot of fun with it. Mm, I was just thinking that, bringing out your laughter and your fun and your play side as well. Yeah, yeah, helping me relax into that journey of this new season of parenthood. And and leaving the washing in the basket. Yep. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Ellen. Thank you so much for coming on today. I had no idea where this conversation was going to go and there were so many like corners in this in this road in our conversation today but I can imagine the value that it's going to bring for our listeners so I really appreciate you coming on and and having the conversation as as you said it wasn't easy even though you've launched a book and you're a coach we still get nervous we do we do yeah but thank you so much for letting me share my story and and for sharing this time with me it's been really great talking with you I'm not going to lie, I do love when guests let us know what books they've read, what podcasts they're listening to, and I'm very similar to Ellen in that I spend the hours I do have spare working out ways to fill up my well-being and performance bucket. If I have 20 minutes spare in a day, I will jump on and find a podcast where I can learn more about something I'm interested in or something I've never heard about before. No one cares more about your life than you. So now is as good a time as any to take stock. How are you spending your time? Who are you surrounding yourself with? And what information are you letting pass the gatekeeper? Perhaps you don't even have a gatekeeper for information. If you love this episode, let me know. Send me a DM or comment in our Facebook group, Challenges That Change Us. And if you think this episode might be valuable for someone in your life, please share the link with them. Every time you share the episode, I like to think that we might be helping one more person. Also, I just want to say a massive thank you for everyone who has been on this podcast journey. You are absolutely rock my world and I feel so grateful to have you along for the ride. Keep doing what you're doing and as Ellen said, you are enough just as you are. I'll see you all next Monday morning. Thank you everyone for listening and taking the time out of your day. I believe we can learn so much from connecting with other people's experiences and stories. I hope you've gained some strategies and insight from today's episode. You can gain more by joining our Facebook group, Challenges That Change Us, or next week we will return with another episode.